Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of The Flow Line. Matt, how are you doing today? Oh, I can't complain. How are you? I am doing well, doing well. It's been a been a good week and, you know, 2021's been exciting still. We've got financial markets going, you know, haywire and, you know, oil's creeping up and, you know, I don't know, is, is 2021 going to be another one in the books and, and another one that, you know, folks are going to be writing books on? What do you think? You know, I don't know. In a way, I think everybody wants a little peace and quiet, but after, you know, the Capitol incident, some of this other drama... <laughs> Everybody, I think, is just sort of trying to keep an open mind and not overcommit to the idea that it'll be a calm year. Right. But, I mean, we'll see, you know. My folks are getting the second round of the vaccine this week or next cool. week. Okay. Know a lot of people in that, like, group 1A, 1B that are are getting jabbed and hospitalization numbers are finally starting to drop in Houston. I saw that. They're headed in the right direction. They're still high, but they're headed in the right direction. So, I mean, shoot. Give it a couple of months. Let's get through this. Yeah, no, because you, you you turned me on to the site that you check, and and I, I look at it every day, and it, it the trend is heading in the right direction ever since you know the kind of mid to late January, and so yeah, hopefully that works. How are your parents feeling after the first vaccine? Had they had any negative reactions or no? Just a you know sore arm, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. So the fact that you're still at work tells me that you didn't double down on GameStop stock. Is that true? I did not double down on GameStop, but you know, I have some, I have some friends who fool around with it and I don't know how many of them actually, you know, you have to actually sell it and the right, whole yeah. idea was to hold it. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they stopped bragging about how rich they thought they were. So I'm not quite <laughs> sure what that means. There was a lot of millionaires for a brief moment that probably wish they would have sold, but you know, there was that meme and everyone was talking about diamond hands, diamond hands, you know, just hold it, hold it, hold it. <laughs> and then it just plummeted. Oh man, it's it was entertaining at the very least. And while I, you know, gambled a little bit with just some fun money I had, and again, I'm talking a few hundred, not not enough to do anything, but just to put a little skin in the game to watch it a little closer. And it didn't work out so well, but I'm glad I didn't, you know, attempt to pay off my mortgage by dumping a ton of money in there because that would have been bad. The thing I always wonder is like, how do you get ahead of this stuff? Because you like, I was looking at Wingstop stock, and if I would have got into that a year ago, I would have been rich. And you know, just some of these random ones that you never think of, like how you know, like how can you get ahead of that stuff? I don't know. I, I must. I'm always late to the game. You got to call guys like Josh. You know, that's what they do for a living. Ah, I know, but, and he probably you know, charges a lot. Them, when you talk about a stock that's way, way too high, or something doesn't seem to make sense. They'll say, yeah, I agree with you. I just can't tell you when it's going to come back down to reality. Because right. if, I, if I did, I could make a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. And for all the listeners out there, Matt referenced Josh. Josh Young is just an incredible gentleman, puts out a lot of great content. So I'm going to give him a plug. Again, Josh Young is exactly how it's, it spells exactly how it's pronounced. Follow him on LinkedIn. Just an overall great guy. Matt introduced him. He was also on our podcast. Again, just an <laughs> overall great guy. So that's who that is. The old infamous Josh. 
Yeah, he was actually on Al Jazeera the other day ex- explaining oh. the whole GameStop thing. Oh, no way. I'll have to yeah, check he's it out. with, you know, his outfit is Bison Interests. You know, they're also on LinkedIn and they post all the, you know, videos. He's been on DRW's podcast a couple of times. Yeah. He can say a lot of things none of us can say, not that we don't have to agree with all of them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he has a lot of very colorful commentary. So check him out whenever yeah. he puts an article up on Seeking Alpha or something. Yeah, no, that's great. It's and that's again wonderful thing about podcasting is you know just creating awareness around you know whether it's initiatives or people that are, are doing good things. But anyways, back to the drilling fluid world, Matt. So something that actually I, I thought about the other day, and again in in a course right now, and the professor was doing some research quite a bit actually on nanotechnology for drilling fluids, and it kind of sparked my interest. And I thought, well, hey, I mean. I know we've dabbled in that realm. I know you you know a lot about it. I know as far as, you know, before learning about it, nanotechnology to me was, you know, tiny particles. And beyond that, I just really didn't have an idea. So I thought, why not bridge the gap for the folks out there that who, who may be familiar with the term, but but how it relates to drilling fluids and, and what we actually do with nanotechnology and the potential it has. So yeah, what do you think, man? Nanotechnology today? Yeah, I think it would be a good topic for conversation just because, you know, it's one of those buzzwords people hear, but what what does it even mean and what are the implications? So, yeah, let's let's get after it. We'll dive in. So, Matt, why don't you go ahead and, you know, first and foremost, let's describe it or, or how would you define nanotechnology? So, nanotechnology is obviously very, very small particles, but if you think of just size, nano, you know, in the in the metric system, you have you know, we go from micrometers or microns. We talk about particle size distribution is very common for us. So, you know, one order less is nano. So less than one micron would begin with, you know, nanometer, right? But in all reality, well, that would be a nanometer measurement. Typically, when you're talking about actual nanotechnology products, it's between one and 100 nanometers, which is obviously even smaller. So like 100 nanometers is the size of a virus. One nanometer is half the width of a strand of DNA, which is five atoms. So we're talking about something that's so small and it's kind of all the rules change. So if you ever had to, in high school or college, if you ever took a physics class and you went from classical physics to quantum mechanics, right? Like uncertainty principle. We don't know where the electron is. We just get, you know, probabilistically here it is just fundamental things go completely different from when you get into quantum mechanics. And so it was almost like a whole new science was opened up as people began to understand that the original rules didn't work and nanotechnology, because it's so small, you're basically rearranging atomic structures to create these novel materials. And a lot of it can be driven by their surface area and some of these other things you're talking about kind of a new set of rules for the way things work when you're utilizing these things, which has kind of opened up a whole new area of applications. Ah, interesting. So what kind of implications do you know, are there with regards to nanotechnology? So you've got something with really high surface area, which is being, think about, that can be, be a lot of different, a lot of different things, right? So high surface area can be helpful for batteries, chemical reactions, you know, if I have more exposed material. So think about it as simple as if you have calcium chloride pellets versus, you know, granules, the smaller particle, more surface area dissolves more. Think about fine low gravity solids versus coarse low gravity solids, right? More surface area, you have more, more areas to interact. 
So you could actually make, you know, superconductors and that sort of thing. You can also, you know, arrange the way these nanoparticles are basically connected together and create really strong materials mm-hmm. that are very lightweight. So there's, there's a lot of different ways you can sort of play with the inherent properties of very, very tiny things that can be rearranged and, and organized in, in certain ways. Interesting. So, I mean, aside from drilling fluids, what kind of typical uses are there for this, like the common day consumer? So they have antibacterial properties. So they, I mean, this is also a health and safety consideration, but they can actually disrupt certain functions in bacteria, for example, or cells. Probably one of the things that may be overlooked is all of these mRNA vaccines for COVID-19 are used nanoparticles. Ah, so like medical diagnostics and treatment, a lot of the like stain resistant, think about in clothing, this has been around, this is probably one of the largest or longest applications I've known about was being the cheapskate that I am. I've gotten a little classier since then, but I used to always buy these like wrinkle-free, stain-free clothes at, at Kohl's, like, you know, dress pants and that sort of thing for work. And I was traveling a lot at the time. You just stuff them in a suitcase and they never wrinkled and they never got even wet. It was kind of weird. Well, they were great and they were like 30 bucks or something. But what it was is, is they were treated with this silica material to improve stain resistance and that kind of no thing. No way. I just, I learned, I learned something very new today. That's interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of the sunscreen additives, the, you know, titanium oxide kind of materials, those are, are nanoparticles. And you get into industrial applications, adhesives, paint, you know, a lot of computer applications with respect to electronics and chips, basically. And batteries, certainly, I think a lot of people are hoping there will be some breakthroughs there just for energy storage. Yeah. You know, and that's an important thing. If you look at the lifespan of a battery, the more surface area you have, the more charge it can hold, but it also hopefully extends the life of it, which even though, you know, we hear nothing but great things about battery powered vehicles, a lot of them do have a limited service life with respect to how long you can keep that range. And the batteries are very expensive. So it might cost $10,000 to, you know, when your car is eight years old to replace the batteries. So if we could make those last longer, that would be a big deal. But, you know, the big message when you watch any of these TED Talks or anything that talk about all the exciting potential is they make very clear that nanotechnology is a platform to do new things. So we don't use nanotechnology for the sake of nanotechnology, but we do, but it is, it facilitates new ways of doing things that open up some cool opportunities. Hey, Justin. Hey, Matt. What's so important that we need to break into a pristine flow line episode to tell our listeners? Well, we need to tell them what we're so excited about. Of course, the 101st episode spectacular. That's right, Matt. We're just a few episodes away from a big milestone, and we really want to celebrate because, you know, we love to celebrate. So how are we going to do it this time? Well, from now until episode 101, we want to hear from our listeners. We've got a great new website. If you go to the full line page, you can see not only all of our episodes, but you can enter for a giveaway. Ah, the old stress balls again, isn't it? No, Justin, we've actually got some pretty nice things. Think <laughs> about maybe a smoker where you could keep the rig crew happy, things like that. We'll select about three winners for the giveaway. That's actually a great prize. And I've heard a lot. I mean, you go to a rig and there's a lot of folks out there trying to cook. And I say trying, they are cooking because most of those rig hands and especially mud engineers know how to cook. So something like that would be phenomenal. So all you have to do is go to the aesfluids.com website and click on the flow line button. There you can see all of our great episodes along with our contact form. Click join the giveaway, provide a message telling us how great we are. 
and you're entered. As you know, Justin, I'm pretty big on free stuff. So I think there'll be a few people who will be trying to enter this. Well, I know you like free stuff. Every time we try and go for lunch, you tag on with the salesman. So uh, if anyone's like Matt and likes free stuff, now's your chance to get some stuff. So we're excited to celebrate with all the listeners and hopefully everyone listens to the 101st episode. We hope to see you there. And if you have, we'll see if you won. All right. Back to the episode. Right. With this type of technology, is there a concern for health and safety being that it's so small? I mean, like I just think of, you know, talking about sunscreen and stuff like that applying it to your skin or if you were to breathe it in or, I mean, are, are there, like, can you kind of help sort of describe whether are there concerns or like how it's, because I mean, for us in, in our world, you and your team have played with this stuff. Like what are some of the things we really need to consider? Cause it just seems something so small. How could you handle it, you know, physically? It's sort of interesting because it really depends on the product and even the shape or structure can affect toxicity for that matter. So some nanomaterials, even though you'd say, oh, I've got an iron oxide nanoparticle or whatever. So I say, oh, that sounds like tiny specks of rust. No big deal, right? Yeah. Just because they're so small, they can interact with cells differently. You know, so it's really important to look at the safety data sheet and see what PPE they recommend. And, you know, a lot of this isn't well understood with respect to a, a lot of, a lot of nanomaterials are actually kind of in a slurry or a concentrate. So they have a liquid carrier to limit the dust. Oh, okay. Or, you know, some of the things that we've, we've engaged with as well are agglomerated. So, you know, you receive a sample of powder, but the powder itself is a clump of nanoparticles that's, you know, five microns. And then when you put it in a liquid, it disperses. So that really helps control the dust, but it really goes down to checking the safety data sheet. I think there were a lot of, when nanotech was the talk of the town in, in fluids, there were kind of some poorly understood safety concerns. And so you'd say the word nanotech and you'd get like, you know, the fluids advisor would run you out of the room saying, we care too much about safety for this to be acceptable. And yes, you, you know, they'd read a study, but they didn't understand that not all nanotechnology is the same. And so if you're considering these products, you, you need to, like any product, you need to consider the health and safety implications and be well-versed in how you can explain them to the end user, not only people so they understand how important PPE might be, but to a customer who wants to make sure that you're not bringing something on location that could be harmful. So that's a very fairly complicated thing, but there are a lot of skilled people, especially who provide these materials that can help navigate those waters. Yeah, no, and I'm glad we covered that because you know health and safety is certainly something on the front line that we have to be always aware of. And especially handling these types of materials that are not common, you know, again, I would imagine it's, you know, not like gel or barite or something that's, or, you know, an LCM, something that's physical that you can kind of dust off and whatever. But, you know, again, if you're in a lab or, you know, you and your team are happen to play with this kind of stuff, just, you know, do a little extra due diligence to make that you're playing with it safely. So again, let's wrap it into drilling fluids. Again, I don't know the history or if it's even something that is, is used currently, but would love to get an understanding of, of how nanotechnology applies itself into drilling fluids and, and what kind of neat technology we can you know create from it. Yeah, I'd say that it's very early, you know, some interesting concepts, you know, so in some ways there are arguably nanoparticles already present in your fluid because there's tiny particles there from dust and grinding things, drilling activity, 
But kind of tying into that with respect to fluid loss control additives, you know, there are some nano starches out there, some fluid loss control additives. And if you think about this, you know, think about a filter cake and how you have all that material kind of packing down. And one thing to tighten up the fluid loss is to have particles fit between the particles, right? That's kind of in bridging theory. We call that, you know, the ideal packing theory or Abrams theory or whatever is particles fit between the big particles. And so the argument is that, you know, nanomaterials can help tighten that up even further and consolidate your filter cake to the point where they may even offer a little bit of lubricity. My personal experience so far is that you can do it with conventional additives because a lot of those are partially soluble and, you know, kind of gummed together anyways. Yeah. But the concepts are out there. There's a lot of academic level papers, certainly materials we've tested. So that's one of the concepts that's definitely been promoted. One of the, one of the really interesting ones was for shale inhibitors. And this is the concept here is that you're actually mechanically blocking water from getting into the clay platelet. So, you know, we've talked about, you know, inhibition with, you know, so, you know, PHPA molecule absorbing onto the edge of the clay platelet and blocking out water or something like that, this, that, but, you know, shale is permeable. It's just not really permeable. So, you know, when we're drilling through a shale, we normally say, oh, I'm not that worried about fluid loss from if it's just a, a clean shale because no water should be finding its way in. Well, that's kind of true, but there's still some permeability there. And so a nanoparticle would actually physically block water from entering in. And so there's a few papers on that. That's another one that I think, you know, has, I haven't heard much about it lately, which would make me think that perhaps it didn't get traction. <laughs> there's a few lubricants that are being promoted right now with the argument that these very fine particles can almost act like sort of, you know, ball bearings between the pipe and the casing and like smooth the rough edges on the metal on metal surfaces. Right. So, you know, they're out there in the marketplace. You know, I would say that, you know, we would be pitching one if we thought, you know, if they were working for us. But the concept's exciting and, and maybe there's something there someday, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Got a long list here. I'm trying to uh, run through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no need to rush. Did you have a question? No. And I mean, I guess for us, is what is the, like, because you, you mentioned we have particles or different additives that can do similar jobs instead of like, it's obviously not something that is absolutely 100% required. And we have other material that can do the job. But are there any other limitations, you know, that you see that may kind of, you know, inhibit its ability to, you know, be a commercial type application? Because I mean, it seems in theory, like it has a lot of benefit, but certainly there's limitations for to getting it to market. Well, I think all this stuff, you know, I don't want to throw too many rocks at, at any of these concepts, but one of the big drivers is cost. So there are certain nano materials that you can get because let's say I wanted the same material that was on that clothing. You can imagine you could probably get a few totes of that pretty quick, right? But does it actually do the job and is it worth the resources to modify it in a way that actually benefits what we do when we're in a very cost-sensitive environment? And the answer is, I don't know. And so we typically, you know, take things that are readily available because they're the most cost-effective and, you know, the easiest way to work their way in. And then we have to prove them out. And, you know, one of the things I would say is that it's very early in the game. So even if I said, oh, this product didn't seem to work, I would qualify it that, you know, 
that was maybe version 1.0 and they're on version three or four by now. So we're always looking at these things, even if it's a, you know, it may be a new iteration. Right. But the hard part is if you start with the premise of I'm going to use nanotechnology and drilling fluids, you're a, a solution looking for a problem. <laughs> right. You know, and, and we always talk about, you know, having a tool in the toolbox. You know, I want to know the nuances of how these some of these things work because I think someday we're going to have a problem and nanotechnology is going to be the solution. Right. That's funny. Yeah. You know, and again, it's not common, but I feel like if there's someone out there, either on the academia side or, you know, perhaps has experience, you know, using nanotechnology within drilling fluids or any sort of, you know, drilling applications, I'd be curious to hear about it. And, but Matt, that, that's really all the questions I had. Do you have any closing last words or thoughts? I just had a couple of more, you know, other things to consider with respect to, you know, other uses that I've seen. And, you know, I'm trying to think my way through it. So like LCM, going back to fluid loss, being able to, you know, pack nanomaterials in weight materials. I think the idea here is that, you know, maybe you, you, maybe these really fine particles, since they don't really settle, they just sort of float. You can mitigate sag. You could, you know, kind of do some cool things with that. And, you know, going back to, you know, rheological modifiers, small particles interacting, but, you know, I think the cost is a big hump when we already have some things working. Right. Some people are still scared of new technology. Health and safety is confusing. And I think, you know, if we roll out anything that is explicitly, you know, a nano product, we will be very well versed and our, our customers will be very well educated so that everybody kind of understands where we stand. But, you know, it's early. I think there's a, when, it's like when we talked about automation, right? Like you can, you can criticize version 1.0 all day long, but, you know, these sensors are going to get better. They're going to get cheaper. It's going to make more sense. And so you can say whatever you want today. And I think it's worth being very candid in what you think they can do today. But we're just sort of getting started at understanding the potential and having access to these materials. So yes, I had many last words, Justin. <laughs> I know you're, you're never shy of them, but it's good. I'm glad I asked you because if we would have closed out, we would have lost a little bit of interesting content there. So, well, with that said, again, if anyone out there has experience or has any shit stories they'd like to share let us know. You can hit us up at the Flowline Podcast at asflues.com or reach out to either Matt and I on LinkedIn. We're always on there and willing to engage. So, and for all the faithful listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you could, please share and leave a review. That would be awesome. We've got, I mean, our download numbers just continue to increase exponentially, but our reviews don't. And so, you know, obviously if you're driving, that's tough, but many folks are now working from home. So if you decide to listen, open the app, hit the review button and we would certainly appreciate it. But with that said, Matt, you have a good day and everyone out there. Thanks for listening. Take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.